0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Okay, for a second, I want you to pause and imagine what would life be like if you no longer have a mortgage payment? How would that be? What would you do with the extra money? So for me personally, I would invest in more real estate and I would definitely be traveling a little bit more. I always think it's so interesting to imagine what life could be if we didn't have some of those larger overhead expenses. And today's guest did that exact thing. She was able to pay off $300,000, including her mortgage in just three years. If that's not enough, you're going to love everything that she says and her tips and strategies and using the crush model for paying off debt. I find this stuff to be so interesting. And I hope you find some inspiration from her story too. I know I walked away thinking, holy crap, this girl is a rock star. Speaking of rock stars, I have to share with you guys my favorite segment of this podcast, which is our hashtag money wins. Today's money win comes from the private Facebook group manager money like a boss, which I highly encourage you to hop in there connect with other money nerds, ask questions, get support, and just get different perspectives on your own financial situation. It's such a supportive group. I literally have a rule that there's no jerks allowed, and I will seriously boot people out of the group if they're being rude. I, I like We just don't have time for that. you know. We're all busy. We're all trying to better our lives, and we just need a little bit of support. So that is the group to come hang out in. Manage your money like a boss. Okay, here is the money win. This one comes from Danielle. Danielle said, pretty excited this morning. I finished paying off... Off my car last month. And today I found out that my credit score increased by 32 points. Hashtag money wing. Danielle, congratulations to you. That is so awesome. I think the credit score increase is always fun, but more than anything, I'm just proud of you for paying off the car. I think that's a huge step. And all of that extra money, if you're smart, you would just put directly towards either other debt, an emergency fund if you don't have that in place yet, or just continue investing and bettering your financial future. I just think it's so cool what you can do when you don't have all of that overhead from a car payment. So congratulations to you and also your sweet credit score increase. That's always fun to see. All right. Are you guys ready to learn about today's guest? Bernadette Joy is the founder of Crush Your Money Goals course, the Crush This Debt book. It's a really bright cover. You can't miss it. It's super fun. And the Dear Bernadette Joy podcast. She's on a mission to build a community of people who are ready to crush their money goals. Her journey to helping others and launching her business came from her own personal experience paying off three three $300,000 in three years, including her mortgage. You guys are going to love this. In this episode, what we talk about is how she found herself in that 300K. So what was that debt actually composed of? We talk about insights into her decision to go on to grad school. That's a big decision for a lot of people. So she shares why she decided that was right for her. Paying off $70,000 in six months and the crush model For paying off debt. This one's super fun. We talk about her business that was inspired from her love of dresses. This was her first business she ever launched. I thought it was such a fun way to go and just really creative and resourceful the way she did this because she loves shopping for dresses and turned that into a business, which is always nice. We talk about advice for debt for business owners and why paying off your debt, if you are pursuing a business, can be one of the greatest things you do for yourself breaking free from that comparison syndrome. Lord knows that is one of the hardest things in the world to do. So breaking from that comparison syndrome and staying in your own lane is everything. And I think she has some really good advice for that. We also talk about making $750 per week by making some lifestyle changes. This is like definitely one of those episodes where you're going to have lots of notes and lots of really aha moments. I thought it was such an interesting one, and I know I personally loved it, and I hope you do too. All right, guys, I am super stoked to introduce you to Bernadette Joy. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm joined by one of my new friends, Bernadette Joy, who has a killer podcast, an awesome Instagram, and an even better story. Bernadette, thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm stoked to chat with you. I have been a big fangirl from a distance for quite some time now. And one of the things that I specifically love is you crushed over $300,000 in debt. What the heck, girlfriend? Tell us about that debt. What was it composed of?
1: <laughs> um, it was a, a student loan of about seventy grand from my MBA program. And then it was not one, but two mortgages because once upon a time I thought I was going to be, um, Joanne and Chip from fixer upper. So I thought it'd be good to just buy all the things. And, um, and yeah, so it was those two mortgages and the student loans. Um, and I went from having no debt to all of that in a pretty short amount of time.
0: Gotcha. So you, you mentioned it was a pretty short amount of time. What was that time period?
1: Uh, So um, I moved from my original hometown in New York City to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am now, and I moved here in 2012, no, 2013. I always forget because it was New Year's Day, Um, so 2013, and we moved here with zero debt, so I had no student loans, no mortgages, no nothing, and within a year, we had embarked, or I had embarked on the MBA and then bought not one, but two houses in the course of the year. Um, so pretty quickly went from zero to 300,000, um, without having a second thought about it until after the fact. Yep.
0: I think a lot of people can relate to that too. I think that's usually how debt seems to work is you're off on a good path and then all of a sudden you just have a ton of debt and it can be really intimidating. So at the time, the $72,000 in student loans was all from grad school. Why did you make the decision to go back to grad school?
1: Uh, So I was in corporate HR for 10 years about before um, doing all the things that I do now. And that was the career that I thought I would have in the long term until I was in the quote unquote dream job Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to have. So I was the head of HR for a tech company here in Charlotte. Um, That was a job I was aspiring to. Uh, and I was 20, 27, maybe twenty eight at the time, and realized that oh, this is I'm this is what I'm supposed to be doing for the next thirty years <laughs> of my of my life, and realized that I wanted to do a lot more than HR in the sense of because I was working with the CEO and COO directly that they had started getting me involved in a lot of other things non HR related, so things like building out our call center and working with our marketing team and um, operations type stuff and. I, at the time, only thought of myself as an HR person and told them, I'm like, I'm not I'm not an operations person. I'm not a marketing person. I don't know how to do these things. And so the thought was, I would go back to school and learn all those different things and maybe come back after uh, grad school and be in more
0: of um, a broader role outside of HR. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so it was like a very strategic move to advance your career. I think that's awesome. And with the $72,000, we were kind of talking a little bit before pushing record. You paid that off in less than a year. In fact, like much less than a year. Can you tell us how the heck you did that?
1: Um, uh, yeah, just being a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, um, the short version of it and the, the longer tail version of the story you can hear on, on my podcast, but essentially um, January of 2016, I was in my last semester of my MBA program, and I had been at it for about two years. And I was like, "Oh, I have ten weeks left in my program. I know I've been paying some amount towards my um, my tuition, but I didn't really know how much." And I was like, "Let's go check out what the situation is on these student loans. I hadn't looked at them at all um, since I started the program." And uh, to my surprise, I opened up my student loan things and it says I owed. 60,000 something. and I had already built an extra couple of thousand dollars in interest. And this was so not how I thought <laughs> that yeah. student loans work. I was like, wait, what happened? I thought I have a grace period. And I didn't know it started building interest from like the day that I started school. Like that wasn't um, clear to me, obviously. And if I had known that I might've done something differently. And so anyway, I ended up just being really sad about it. <laughs> I, um, I was on my office floor like thinking, what did I do? What did I sign up for? And after I had my little cry fest to myself, I was like, all right, that's enough crying. Like, what are we gonna do about this? (laughs) And um, so I went to my husband, kind of honestly a little bit ashamed and said, I signed up for these student loans. I had no idea that this ha- had worked. And neither of us knew this because neither of us had student loans coming out from undergrad. We were lucky that both of us had scholarships going to undergrad. So this was my first foray with student loans at all. And um, he didn't know either. And his initial reaction was, well, eh, it's fine. I mean, every, everyone else we know has student loans and you know, you got it for your MBA. Like, I'm sure you're just going to make the money back. Like, it's not a big deal. And I was just like, no, it is a big deal, dude. Like I've never had this kind of debt before in my life and I'm not going to pay it off in 10 years. I can't, I just cannot fathom the thought of carrying this weight for 10 years. And um, so I basically went crazy and started, listening to all the things, reading lots of books, um, watching YouTube videos. Um, Dave Ramsey was a big one that I would watch. And, um, a lot of the other, um, like his and her money, like a lot of other really cool people in this space and just tried to pick up as much knowledge as I could. And we initially had the plan of paying it off in two years and which was still pretty aggressive, but once we had the momentum going and we were paying off big chunks, Um, at a time I was like, I think we can actually do this in a year. And um, to my surprise, we were paid off by November um, of the same
0: year. So seven months after graduation. Oh my gosh. Okay. What were the steps you took to get that paid off? You initially thought two years, but you ended up doing it in like six or seven months. How did you, like, what'd you have to sacrifice to get to that point? Yeah. So in hindsight,
1: um, I think during the time it didn't feel like it was very systematic <laughs> or, or oh process. It was really like whatever I could do to uh, make a little extra or um, sacrifice to, to p- make that extra payment I would. And so um, now it's in, in hindsight, I look at it and I, and this is what I've um, kind of talked about on my social media and stuff is this idea of crush. And um, the crush actually stands for the different kind of steps that I took, um, going backwards. And so the first piece was C, uh, which is change your money mindset, which now I call create any money mindset. Cause what I've learned is that I had to deal with, and I'm sure you have too, mm-hmm. um, have had to deal with a lot of myths and things that are out there and just trying to understand like all the information. That is there, and also get over some of the excuses that I've told myself, right? Like, oh, everyone else has student loans; it's not a big deal. And um, I was never good with money, or I'm an HR person; I'm not a finance person, so it's okay that I'm like not good at this. And um, so, the first, like I mentioned, the first part of this journey was just educating myself and getting over some of these um, kind of longstanding habits and myths that I just grew up with um, in terms of money, and then. The biggest piece actually was the R part, which I call redesign your life, which is I think the main reason that I was probably able to pay it off so quickly was because during my MBA program I had this idea to start a business. It's a company called Dressed, and I also really did not want to go back to my day job. <laughs> like after <laughs> after I went through this whole program and I learned all these cool things, I was like, ugh, oh, the thought of going back to my regular like nine to five job is does not really sound appealing to me. And so that was a huge motivator, right? So it was a huge motivator. And I started thinking about like, what would my life look like if I were no longer an HR person and I was actually running this business. And so that is what I um, think in hindsight that has, was probably the biggest motivation. Like it wasn't, oh, I just want to get out of debt or, oh, I just feel really
0: sick about it. It was like, there's this bigger reason that I'm trying I love that that you were able to start a business and, and make your life work for you. So you were redesigning this piece and we're definitely going to talk about that too. Can we go through the rest of the crush model? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, my husband and I decided that if I could um, if we could pay off the student loan piece that we would feel really comfortable about me quitting my day job. And at the time I was the breadwinner, like I was making more money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been a big sacrifice to give up my income, um, but we would feel more comfortable doing that, knowing that it was towards something that I really wanted to do. Um, and then the you, which I think we all know as money nerds, <laughs> is using a money planning tool. I kind of tend to Straight from the word budget, only because people seem to have this crazy aversion mm-hmm, <laughs> against the word budget, right? And so, I'm um, using a money planning tool. So, it was a combination of you know using some portions of my budget uh, with you know cash envelopes, and the vast portion of it, you know, planning with um, the Every Dollar app, um, and going through that monthly money planning process with my husband, which, um, and we can talk about that too if there's time, but that was a challenge for sure. And then the S and the H is the last two pieces and you've already kind of alluded to it, which is sacrifice in the short term. And why I say short term was that a lot of people... Will ask me how I did, and I said, Oh, well, I didn't go out to eat, and I didn't take any vacations, and I didn't, you know, get my meals done or whatever. And they're like, Oh, uh, people will be like, Oh, no, debt, YOLO, I want to live my life, and like that sounds terrible, and it's not worth it <laughs> to pay off the debt. And I said, But you know what? I only gave it up for seven months. Like, was it worth seven months of not, you know, eating out worth not having student loans for 10 years? For me, yes. And maybe that's not the same answer for everyone, but for me, it was. And, um, and then the last piece was hustle, which I say, hustle, 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 mm-hmm. because, and I, I see that um, you're probably a proponent of this as well, is that, you know, relying on one income or one salary to pay off that kind of debt, um, it just wasn't going to cut it. So we, my husband and I went crazy. We both like still had our day jobs, but I also started building this business stress, which is another income. And then we did all sorts of crazy side hustles, like everything from Uber to being an extra on movies and television and paying off any, <laughs> um, selling off anything that we could.
0: That's so. so great. I love that you were able to put all of this into a, a framework or a model that we can all wrap our heads around too. I think that's super, super smart. Tell me a little bit about dress. So what is the idea? What was the concept and how did you get it from just an idea to actually making money?
1: Yeah. So it was, um, as I mentioned, it was a project in my MBA program. It was, we were supposed to, in our marketing class, come up with a fake idea for fake business. And during the time I was in my twenties and it was also that time where, um, I'm going to so many weddings and I was a bridesmaid. I've been a bridesmaid like seven times. Um, and I just had all, and I had, yeah, and I just had all these weddings, not only weddings, but match wrap parties and bridal showers and all and rehearsal dinners and stuff that I had to go to. And I was in school and I didn't want to spend so much money on these dresses. And so um, I had tried other concepts like a run the runway um, online where you could rent out stuff, but stuff would arrive and it wouldn't fit me or wouldn't look the way that I thought it would and then I'd be scrambling last minute. And so I wanted a concept where I could actually um, rent out dresses, try them on in person, but also have the ability to rent out the dresses that I had already bought and spent money on and kind of share the love <laughs> with other people on ones that with dresses that I believe worn once. And so that's where the idea started. And I launched it the same week that I graduated. So April of 2016, and we've evolved and changed a lot in the last three years. Um, When I initially started, it was really about just helping women save money and also make money back on their clothes. But over the last three years and not having had any retail experience before um, and also fashion experience, what I am really driven more towards is um, one more around sustainable fashion. So I'm seeing all of these garments being worn one time if that. I get tons of clothes that come into our our um, studio that still have the tags on that have been sitting in people's closets hmm. for a long time. And and I like to tell people I, I like to help these these uh, dresses live their best lives. So <laughs> wherever they can go and and um, get best use. So sustainable fashion, the bigger piece that I am really interested in helping is having women, uh, helping women with their body image. And what I think is so fascinating is that I've had women from a size zero to size 20, all shapes and sizes, all ages come into the studio. And not one woman has come in and said, you know what? I am here. I love my body. I'm confident in what I'm wearing. Whatever you put on me is going to, you know, I'm going to feel really great about. Um, It's always these conversations of like, oh, I'm too big for this, or I don't, my hips are this way, or my, you know, my boobs look weird or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we've shifted our mission to really be focused around how do we help women feel really good um, and, and look really good for these events um, around their bodies versus having to focus on this outside garment, providing them that, that level of confidence, if that makes sense.
0: Makes perfect sense. I think this is so, so interesting that you were able to start the business and get it to grow. So is it an in-person, a brick and mortar store or is it an online component as well? So we were evolving
1: before we started out as online um, and then people found out here locally that I was in Charlotte and then they would literally be like, hey, can I, come to, can I come to wherever you are and try these on? So I built out a little studio in my house and then we had, we currently have a brick and mortar um, studio. We call it a studio versus like a retail store because it's by appointment. Um, and now we're going back to how do we hybrid having that online platform with Um, the in-person. So there's a combination of the in-person that will continue, but we are also looking at things like Poshmark and um, like other online retailers that we can partner with to get more reach outside of Charlotte.
0: This is so incredible. I love that you were able to, a lot of times people don't start a business until they pay off their debt because they don't want to take on that financial risk. But you kind of changed that. You said, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to make it work and make it make money. How quickly did it take for you to actually become profitable in the business?
1: Um, Our, so our business, what's interesting is because I've been on this debt-free journey um, I've also been very animate about keeping the business debt free as well, and so um, I've struggled with this. And I and I've told people this, right? Is that I've seen other people who started out at the, at the same time as me, um, literally like the same year. That's when I started networking with other entrepreneurs, and some of them don't exist anymore because it was it was hard to keep the doors open when you've also you know taken out loans against your business or you know had outside investors. And um, I've had the autonomy to be able to kind of take things slowly, good or bad, because I've self-funded everything myself. in In the midst of still trying to pay off all of the student loan debt, and then, but then on the other side of it, I've also seen other companies who started at the same time as me who've grown exponentially. And I look at them and I'm like, wow, they've grown so quickly and I'm still at this kind of smaller stage. Um, And my husband sometimes has to remind me, he's like, yes, but remember that they have also taken outside investment. They owe people money. They have a board of directors or they have other people that they have to kind of answer to. And you've, you made a conscious decision to not have your business be that way. So it's, um, so to answer your question, we've been, we were profitable, um after the first year because our I've chosen to keep the expenses really low yeah. um so it wasn't that hard to like just make more money than we spent um and we've kind of grown ever since but as I've scaled I've also for example this year was the first year that I took on five employees and I you know made that decision um to basically like for example this year break even in order to have those employees just try to scale the business again so it's been The the good news is we've never been unprofitable
0: um
1: in the in the three years that we've been in in existence.
0: I am I'm in love with your business model. I think it's so interesting and so awesome. And one thing that as you were talking about this, I think we can all relate to, whether it's from our business life or our personal life, is the comparison syndrome. How the heck do we break through that? How do you deal with that? (sighs) Um, sometimes I don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and especially, you know, in the world that we're in where social media is so prevalent i was just having this conversation with a friend yesterday over coffee of how social media can be really great in some respects of you know being a wealth of information i am such a proponent of like the debt-free community online that has been a big reason why i think i've been able to be successful in my debt-free journey is seeing these other people, even if I don't know them personally, um, kind of going through the same thing. And then on the flip side, it has also can be a challenge when you do see these kind of filtered views of people's lives and think like, oh, wow, I haven't gone on a vacation in three years and you know they're popping champagne on a boat in Italy. That <laughs> seems real nice. Um, but then again, you have to, I I have to kind of ground myself and, and even just last night, I have to tell myself that, um, you know, not everyone is on the same journey and I have, for whatever reason, have chosen a path that's less traveled. Um, and therefore there's not going to see as many people on that same path. And so sometimes it's a little bit lonelier. but also remembering that the destination on this path is also something different what other people are are looking at which for my husband and I is hopefully knock on wood retiring early and also being able to you know do businesses that we really feel like we want enjoy but are impactful to other people's lives so it's a trade-off it's a trade-off but it's not it's not easy I, I definitely struggle with it um I think on a regular basis
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's one of the tough parts too, especially when you, I relate to that so much. I'm growing my business debt-free as well. And I will probably never take outside funding. I've created this as more of a lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I struggle with too, is just that whole element of going at your own pace and being okay with that. And I think that's the tough part too, for so many people. And especially even when you're paying off debt, it's so hard to just go at your own pace and do what works for you. So for you guys, when you were trying to decide mm-hmm. what's our pace, how did you determine that you wanted it to be a little bit more aggressive? What made you go for that that path?
1: Um, <laughs> uh, I think that's half uh, half of it is is just I think straight up <laughs> personality or genetics. I don't know how else to explain it. In that, <laughs> I think I've um. I, I kind of look back at the way that I've approached a lot of things in my <laughs> life. And it's like once I've already decided on something, like it's gonna happen and it's gonna happen fairly quickly. <laughs> so, you know, as like a, another example, my husband and I, you know, we met, dated, um, we were engaged within 10 months and then we got married like six months after that. And people are like, what the who does that, you know? And <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, what's the point of waiting? I already found the person I want to marry. Like, what are what are we standing around for? Um, so that's probably a, a little bit. That's pretty pretty symptomatic of <laughs> of my personality. I think the other aspect of it is going to again back to that R I talked about in the crush, the redesign your life. Like, I I could visualize this life that I was like, oh, I'm not going to be sitting at a desk like I have been for the last 10 years. I'm going to be running this business that I really enjoy. Um, I'm going to be able to also spend more time with friends and family. And that was also a big factor because while I live in Charlotte, my family, it, my immediate family is split up between Boston, New York, and Las Vegas. So it literally costs me time and money and effort to go just hang out with them. like Just to have lunch with my dad, I'd have to get on a flight to Las mm-hmm. Vegas, right? <clears throat> and and so, and I didn't have that flexibility in my day job to be like, hey, I'm just going to peace out and go <laughs> have lunch with my right. dad. Um, and so that was a really important factor to me as well. And so I think in terms of being able to determine that pace, I was like, two years even feels like a long time for me to wait for for that. And I can see it so clearly that it seems really palpable that, um, you know, that was the initial pace of it. And and from a logistics perspective, we started out with two years because, the thought was, all right, 70,000 ish we've got. So if we did 35 and this is like the methodical part of me, that means it's about $35,000 per year that we would pay, which is $3,000 per month, which is $750 per week. So what do I got to do to make an extra $750 payment every week for the next two years? And that's, and so that became a smaller strategies of like, okay, yeah. So if I don't go and eat out at this thing, or I don't go to this trip, I would take that same amount and put it directly towards my student loans. And it sounds really crazy, but you know, one of the examples that I tell people is I, I love shoes. So even though I own a dress business, like my real kryptonite is shoes. Cause like, no matter how <laughs> big or small you are, like they do not <laughs> make you, <laughs> make you feel, feel bad. And so I, um, and, uh, there's this great department store that's dangerously close to my house. And whenever I would be working from home and I just needed to get out of the house, I would like walk around this department store and, um, they have a great clearance section for shoes. And, um, I would see a pair of shoes that I would really want. I'm like, Oh, but Bernadette, you know, it's like 75, 75% off. So like really you're saving money and like having these like internal discussions <laughs> with myself. And so what I would do is I would, so let's say the shoes was 30 bucks I would take the $30 that I would have spent on the shoes. And I'm like, all right, you know what? And I would literally be standing in the mall and making a payment towards my student loans for $30. And I would tell myself, all right, if I really want the shoes and I'll come back tomorrow and get them. But I've already mentally spent the $30 towards my student loans and I would never come back you know, for it. So it's this idea that you know people say, oh, I'm going to save money and I'm not going to spend it on this. But it's another thing to actually reallocate that money physically and mentally so that you really actually can't spend it. And so even those little, little things would help me get towards that $750 goal every week, which is a $3,000 per month, which was the $36,000 per year.
0: That is huge. That like, seriously, that is such a big, big takeaway to just be able to say, I was already going to spend that money. And you know what, now I'm just going to allocate it to something that I truly care about. That's going to help my future instead of something that just feels good in the moment that is such a powerful takeaway. The other thing too, you mentioned $750 per week for somebody listening in that thinks $750 is way too much money. What else can they do? You mentioned you were doing Uber. Did that move the needle a lot for you guys? Yeah. So, um,
1: you know, the first, and and the reason I have crush in that order is because I always, in my mind, it's always easier to like get rid of things than to work more. Cause I'm, a, I'm just naturally a lazy person where like, it's like, if I can choose to like sit on my couch and just like watch like K-pop videos and I will, <laughs> um, but you know, and so that means like, if, oh yeah, if I sell this piece of furniture then I can do it. So, um, yes, the little side hustles, like driving Uber, um, it was really fun to do those like, um, extra, um, being an extra on these movies. My husband did it more than I did. And what was fun about that was that like, it was, it was 10 bucks an hour. It wasn't a huge chunk of change, but he honestly would have done it for free anyway, (laughs) because he just (laughs) thought it was so cool. Um, and so I tell people, you know, you'd be surprised at how many things there are out there available to you to make money. That isn't like, doesn't feel like work. Um, so I have, you know, a friend, like it's not for me. I don't, I'm not like a huge animal person or anything, but my friend, she loves dogs. And dog walkers make a lot, like make pretty good money for something that like they would probably enjoy doing anyway. Or she's like, I'm walk out there walking my dog anyway. I might as well walk two other people's dogs um, while I'm at it. And so that is something I talk about with a lot of people is like, what are the things that you actually enjoy doing? And is there um, a way for you to even make a little bit of money on it versus like, you know, feeling like you uh, you have to go pick up this like second job or you have to like drive Uber or whatever. So um, you know, for me it was the dress thing. Um I just naturally love selling things. Like I just get such a high from <laughs> from selling things. So like um you know there's there's one month where we started slowing down on our payments. Like we had already like kind of exhausted our savings and um you know went down to just like our bare emergency fund and cut out a lot of things. And so I had a I decided to like round up all the stuff in our house that we weren't using anymore and all the stuff in the garage. that was just collecting dust and just like have a yard sale and in four hours, we made like 400 bucks and I was like super happy about that. Like, I don't know how else I would have made hundred bucks per hour um, selling no. stuff that I didn't even need. So um, getting creative about that. Um, what I've noticed is that a lot of people have more resources to them than they think they do. They just really haven't thought about it in that way or they haven't thought about it yet.
0: Oh, that's so good. I'm like seriously fist pumping right now. I love that you were <laughs> able to do that. And I think it's, it comes down to the C part where you have to create your money mindset. And I think you're spot on. A lot of times we think we're stuck in these situations, but we're choosing to be in these situations because we're not allowing ourselves to dream bigger. So I am, I'm like loving everything that you're saying, my friend. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I agree with you. And then that's why the C part, the create your money mindset, is in the is is the first thing. Like none of this other stuff will happen, and that's the challenge that I find with a lot of people. They're like, "Well, I don't have time to go take a second job, or I can't." give up my, you know, X, Y, and Z um, unless you've decided that, all right, creating this new mindset of like, you know, this is all possible. And yes, it will be a little bit challenging in the time that it will take to do it, but it's not forever. um, You know, unless you build that first, like none of the other stuff is really going to happen.
0: That's huge. Okay. So talk to us about the mortgage. You paid off your mortgage, so you are legitimately 100% debt-free. Congrats on that. What was the decision there? Yeah. So- (laughs)
1: Huh. <laughs> There's, um, let's see. So uh, as I mentioned, so we paid off the student loans. That was super exciting. And then we had the two mortgages. And the first mortgage was actually the first house that we bought when we moved to Charlotte. Um, and we had bought that house. I, we were, I think, driving around while we were in this house for like less than a year. And we saw this other house that I was like, oh, that's a great house. Like, oh, it seems really cheap. Um, and this is comparatively to like New York City. Um, let's like we should just go and buy that house and live that house and rent out the other house. So hmm. I unintentionally became a landlord, <laughs> and um, and then at the time I was like super obsessed with H E T V, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna flip it, so It looks so great. Like it's gonna be amazing. Learned up, learned very quickly. Like I am not, I am not Joe <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> um and also. When our, our uh, tenant called us at 11 o'clock at night to say that he locked himself out of the house and didn't know where his keys were, and we had to go get him, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this landlord thing either, at least not right now, like while I'm doing this, like building this business. And um, we had such momentum from paying off the student loans, and we got so used to that rhythm of like, okay, we're trying to pay off $3,000 every, every month, that we just took that same approach and applied it to the first house, which at the time we had, um, 57, 57, 57,000 left on the mortgage. Um, we had originally bought it on a 10 year plan to begin with, and then we had a tenant in it. So the tenant was helping us pay it down as well. So in the grand scheme of things, we didn't have a ton left on that. It was, I said 57,000. So we paid that off. And then the goal was to pay off our house in five years. So the same thing applied. This $36, this $3,000 a month seems to be like my magic number. Hmm. Um, and at the time we had $180,000 left towards our mortgage, our house, which made me incredibly nauseous because we bought the house. When we bought the house, we had $190,000 on the mortgage and we already have been living it for four years. So I was like looking at this and I'm like, we've been living here four years and we've only paid off $10,000 towards- the principal, like, this is ridiculous. And I've been able to pay off $36,000 on my mortgage. And I've only been, I mean, towards my um, student loans. And we've only been able to pay off like $2,500 $2, a year. Like, that yeah. seems ridiculous. So we um, refinanced and we went down from a 30-year mortgage to a 15-year mortgage. So that already helped, um, you know, increase how much we were paying towards principal versus interest. And, um, last year we did exactly that. We paid $36,000 towards the board kids, um, instead of 10 grand over the course of four years. Um, and then we got to a point where I was like, going back to that R, the redesign your life of like, well, okay, what are we trying to do here? AJ, AJ is my husband. Um, where do we want to be? Like, do we think we're going to be here the ne- for the next five years? Um, do we want to travel more? Um, We also have this like four bedroom house and there's literally the two of us. Like, why do we have four bedrooms? And we went back to the board of like, okay, what is our life going to look like? And long story short, it looked very different from the conversation we had four years ago when we bought the house originally. And and so we said, well, we bought this other place. It's now fully paid off. Um, We could keep going, doing what we're doing. And for the next four years, work on paying off this house. Or when we did the math, we were like, we can buy, we can take the the first house, which has now appreciated in value, in addition to being paid off, and pay off our house. And that was a really tough conversation. Like we went back on and forth about it for a long time because, again, I, you know, I subscribe to all of these different things, and it's like, yeah, become a real estate mogul and mm-hmm. <laughs> like build your empire and all of that stuff. And um, at the end of it, we decided that we could still do that, but we wanted to do it in a way that we knew that our primary house wasn't leveraged. And if we were to ever go back and do it again, like when, if we were to buy rental properties and stuff, like we would do it where our house was paid off first. So that's what we decided to do. We ended up selling the other property, taking the proceeds from that property to pay off this house. Um, And instead of having that five year plan, we accelerated it four years and became debt free in April of this year.
0: Oh my gosh, that is incredible. I am so, so impressed. I think that's the financial risk that you just reduced and the ability to not put pressure on your business and on your relationship to hit certain financial numbers, I think is huge. And I think that's the part most people forget about too. Oh yes, absolutely, and it's um, and it's been an adjustment because you know what is
1: interesting is that people have asked us like, oh wow, like how does it feel to be completely debt free? And you know, for the first month, like I honestly felt like I was drunk like all day, every day. I was just like, this is <laughs> great, like I ain't got no payments in the world. My husband like had a really tough day at work one day, and he said that everyone was super stressed about this deliverable. And he came home, and he's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, wow, I'm pretty shocked that you're not upset about it. He's like, honestly, because. I don't have to be here. (laughs) Like he was just like, he was like, you know, worst case scenario was like we have our utility bills and we gotta pay to like eat and stuff. But if I really like had to leave my job, like it wouldn't be that stressful. And so that was really awesome for the first month. But then we've started to again go back to redesigning our life and saying, like, okay, what are the things that we want to change now? So Um, as an example, like we started eating way healthier. Now we're like those like weird people who are like, we only want organic. And like we drink kombucha that we make ourselves. And like, (laughs) we we never thought we'd be those people, but we have the time now to do it. And we have the extra, a little bit extra um, money to put towards those things. And so it's made a huge difference.
0: That's so amazing. You're like living the dream. This is so cool. I could easily chat with you pretty much all day, but for time's sake, I think we have to start wrapping it up. But before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Okay. My first question for you, what is one purchase you've recently made that has made your life better?
1: (laughs) So going back to the shoes thing, um, (laughs) (laughs) I bought, I found, so same department store, I, um, found this pair of Kate Spade, like gold glitter sneakers that were like, 125 bucks originally or something like that. And I got them for 32. Whoa. And they made my life better because I mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. 32 bucks. They're super cool. I'll send you a picture. Um, but they made my life better because I also decided I don't want to wear heels anymore, but I still feel pretty glam wearing them. And so when I do like talks or like I have to meet with clients, like I get compliments about it all the time and I'm still super comfortable (laughs) because they're sneakers.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Okay. Next question for you. What is your current morning routine?
1: Um, so, uh, as of right now, my husband wakes up first. And he knows that I know that when he wakes up, that I have another 15 minutes before I have to wake up. <laughs> um, and so he will gently nudge me after my 15 minutes and say, it's time <laughs> to get up. And then I will, <laughs> and that happens every morning, like he has to like nudge me to wake up. And um, and then I take a shower, of course. Um, and then I've got into my whole skin routine lately. So that's my biggest thing. I didn't used to have this before, um, but I do a whole thing where I exfoliate, and I do toner and then I put on like three kinds of cream and then I get dressed and then I go.
0: Oh, I love this. Okay, tell us, give us the details. What are the skin products you're loving right now? Um, so I have I have pretty severe eczema actually. So that's another reason why like
1: um, this whole Everything thing has been awesome. Like I kid you not, my skin has cleared up. <laughs> I think mm. because I'm less stressed. Um, but vanna cream is something that I use that is really good for people with super dry skin. And then I'm um Interestingly, one of the best things that I've done lately is just make my own little um, mix of exfoliation, which is just like organic sugar and, and organic coconut oil. And you just mix it up and then you use it to like exfoliate and it's wonderful and it's completely natural.
0: I like it. That is awesome. Okay, next question for you. Where is one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, there's so many, but um Korea is probably on the top of my list right now
1: because I am super into Korean pop music, even though I'm not Korean, which is I don't understand anything that they're saying, but I like how they dance and I like how they how they look so happy when they're doing it. So um the goal is to go to Korea next year.
0: Oh, I love I love K-pop too. So that's so funny. Yeah, I'm totally into that as well. Oh, awesome. All right. Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Um I think the biggest thing and this is very resonant to me
1: today um is how can I summarize this is basically if you let other people's opinions dictate your financial decisions then you'll probably still be broke <laughs> so um like I mentioned before yeah um I've struggled with being on this kind of less traveled path uh and I've had to have that conversation myself but I've also had to tell myself you know in order to be different and, and not be in that same boat that, um, I may not have to, uh, listen to other people's opinions about what they think is the right thing with my money. So as long as you're comfortable with your financial choices and that you're putting yourself on the right path, it's okay to not be like everybody else.
0: Bernadette, that was such a great way to wrap up. I appreciate your time. I've learned a ton from you. Go ahead and pimp yourself out. Where do we learn more about you and your work? Um, so right now you can
1: find me at bernadettejoy.com, which is like all the things that I do um, as it relates to my uh, crush mission. You can go to crushthisdebt.com and find me on social media, also at crush this Debt.
0: You are such a rock star! Thank you so much for your time. It was truly a pleasure getting to know you more and hearing about your awesome story. Thank you again. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. What'd you think? I love this episode. I thought it was so interesting. More than anything, I just liked the creativity and the hustle that she had with her first business. I thought that was super inspirational where she turned her passion into profit. That's always like the best thing in the world if you can. But more than that too, I also really just loved hearing her story to paying off all of the debt, what she and her husband did to sacrifice and how they were able to make that happen. Okay. Now do me the biggest favor. If you have gotten some value from this episode, share it with one person, just one person that you think could benefit from hearing Bernadette's message and her story. It means the world to her, to me, and it could help the other person be the catalyst so that they start to change their life for good. I'm super grateful that you're listening in. I hope you're having a great week. I love you and I will see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday or next Wednesday for our very normal episode of The Money Nerds Podcast. Bye!